Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to episode 17 of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your humble host, your guide through trash cinema, and your favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're bringing sword and sorcery to the 21st century when we cover the absolutely star studded dumpster fire that is the 2000s Dungeons and Dragons. But before we get into that, let me introduce you to my co-host, the man who comes in each week, each and every week with the positivity and optimism that one day we will watch a genuinely good film. That day is not today, but he's here anyway, Patrick Schweigert. Hello, hello. How are we doing today, Cayman? Thank you for having me. I'm I've, I've, a big fan of the podcast. I've been wanting to come on for weeks now. Uh, glad that I'm finally here. Uh, I'm ready to roll for initiative whenever you are. Fuck you. And for our special guest host today, he brought the pain on his first appearance when we covered the genuinely incredible feature of filmmaking Star Crash. On today's episode, he's really pushing his luck. The only Civil War daddy I want in my life, Taylor Roy. Well met, adventurers. How's it going? Civil War daddy? Are you a Civil War daddy? Uh, I guess. I'm not an actual daddy, but I'll be a Civil War daddy, sure. Sure. All right. <laughs> yeah. I like well, beards. I like wearing wool in the summertime and that marching through Georgia. So that I, I enjoy I enjoy burning Atlanta. So yeah, right. tracks. Fantastic. All, well, before we jump in, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rate and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget, you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at savetrashcinema.gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter at Save Trash Cinema or on Instagram at Save Trash Cinema as well. Make sure to check out last week's interview with the absolutely stellar Jason Mathern when we cover DIY filmmaking, what it means to be a punk, and all things cockface killer. We will be continuing to release minisodes, crossover episodes, and interviews periodically, so keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. We also have a Discord server dishing out some behind-the-scenes looks at how STC is put together, sneak peeks at upcoming episodes, special family movie night events, as well as just a really cool community of Trash Crusaders. So come on over and join us there as well. All right, Bo, enough bullshitting around. Let's get on with the overview of Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons is a 2000 film directed by Courtney Solomon and written by a combination of Topper Lillian and Carol Cartwright. Courtney Solomon is best known for directing an American haunting as well as producing over 50 really shitty B movies. Topper Lillian is not very well known for anything actually, but Hey, at least they starred in a bit role on the Coneheads movie. Carol Cartwright on the other hand is known for literally nothing else. So yeah, that's how you, uh, how you make a movie just like this. <laughs> this, is, this is a good sign. I think this yeah. bodes well. This is great foundation for a, a trash cinema film. The story goes as such. Empress Savina rules over the magical empire Izmir. The young thieves Ridley and Snails get involved with their quest to find the legendary scepter of Savril, 
with the most desirable magical wand she could ever ha could have the power to rule over the red dragons and she would then be able to provide freedom and equality amongst all people ridley and snails are closely followed by damador the cruel assistant of profion who is longing for the power of the scepter profion wants to get into battle with the empress whenever profion would get his hands on the scepter the whole empire would then forever live in darkness the future depends on the braveness of Ridley and Snails. Something I didn't expect this movie is to be about racism between mages and everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like a thing? What are, I don't know. I, not that I know of. I think this is something that was introduced in this movie. But I th what's weird. So what's weird about adapting Dungeons and Dragons is there's not like a set. It's not like Star Wars or something else that has like a canon. And these are the characters. This sure. is the setting. It can kind of be anything. So they're like, well, we could draw on this, these decades of uh, established stories and characters like Tomb of Horrors, Keep on the Borderlands, uh, Curse of Strahd. No, let's just make up everything for this movie and have yep. it be connected to literally nothing else. Yeah. And yeah. that's what they did. And oh. did it work out? We'll find out. Oh, oh boy. Yes. The film stars Justin Whalen, best known as Jimmy Olsen from Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, as well as Susie Q, which if your listeners have paid close enough attention, you will remember. I love that movie. <laughs> Thora Birch from Ghost World and American Beauty. Richard O'Brien, known as Riff Raff from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Marlon Wayans from White Chicks and Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. And last but not least... Academy Award winner Jeremy fucking Irons. Yes. Uh, which you would know, obviously, from movies such as Reversal of Fortune, from what he won his Oscar from, Watchmen, Dead Ringers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the picture. Lion, Lion King. King. Lion, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, Jeremy Irons, I feel like, is, is someone I wish I could do a good impression of. He has such a distinct voice. His mm -hmm. timbre and, like, his... His cadence is so distinct because I would like to say this next piece of trivia in a Jeremy Irons voice, but I don't have one. Uh, some trivia. When asked about why he did this film, Jeremy Irons replied, are you kidding? I just bought a castle. I had to pay for it somehow, which is like, fuck yes. Yep. Get paid. Jeremy Irons. I so I don't really do impression. My only the closest I can do to a Jeremy Irons impression is Faw! Because that's pretty wow. much all of his performances. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I so I my wife is obsessed with Jeremy Irons, which as a result, nice. I have met Jeremy Irons. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and so I was that was the one piece of trivia coming in is like, I have to make sure it is mentioned that yes. he bought a castle and did this movie to pay for said castle. Uh, he is a he is a, a, a frightening man in person. <laughs> <laughs> he is exactly the way you think he would be. Frightening, yeah. like in, in that he oh, was he, intimidating or he's did just, he try to kill you. No, he's perfectly polite. He's a polite, older English gentleman. He's just incredibly intense. Sure. Yeah. Oh, those people yeah. like meeting. I haven't met Daniel Day-Lewis, but I feel like it would be a similar thing of like, you're perfectly nice and polite. I'm still very scared of you. <laughs> yeah, he's very intense in this movie as well. And speaking of the movie, uh, it runs for an hour and 47 minutes too long and sports a very accurate representation of 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now. Dungeons and Dragons is unfortunately not available on Tubi. Ooh. I know, I know. But hey, if we're able to sell you on this film, you can currently rent it for very cheap from most outlets, and you can currently snag a physical copy on both DVD and Blu-ray for fairly cheap as well. Don't worry, though. You definitely get your bang for your buck because it's currently selling as a twofer, 
with the direct-to-DVD sequel, Dungeons & Dragons, Wrath of the Dragon God. Don't ask me if it's any good, because I haven't watched it. I have heard, I have not watched it. I'm actually probably going to watch it soon, because I, I have the two-pack as well. I have heard it's actually better. I, I've heard the same thing. So after yeah. watching this, I'm like, well, you can only go up from here. It's true. Now, with the overview out of the way, why don't we take some time to discuss some initial thoughts? We will start with you, Taylor. You were the one that brought the film to us. So why don't you go ahead and tell us your initial thoughts and tell us why you thought we should either save or can this film. Well, I brought it to you because my alignment is chaotic evil. Um, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. I, well, I thought it was relevant because the, you know, the new D and D movie, they just uh, San Diego comic con just premiered the trailer. Honestly, I think it looks pretty good. Me too. And um, yeah, I thought it'd be now that, Maybe D and D will be cinematically redeemed because uh, basically the only representation has been uh, a little bit part in ET, that Mazes and Monsters movie that Tom Hanks was in in, in the early '80s, and the, this movie. Sure. So yeah, I thought I, I think it deserves another shake at film because why not? It's it's fantasy, you know. It this movie's not good. Um, there's I've tried I, I've tried to find ways to defend it. There's a few things I like about it which we'll talk about. Um, but I think uh, it's worth, it's worth revisiting. It's worth reminding people that this exists for good sure. or ill. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's important to remember it exists. And I think it's also a good time capsule of what the state of cinematic fantasy movies prior yes. to Lord of the Rings, because oh, it was, yeah. it came That's out the ball. year before Lord of the Rings. So it was in that kind of dead space between like, I'd say the 80s were kind of the golden era of fantasy movies. You had like Crawl and Willow and, and Conan and such. Uh, but then you know, 90s and, and early aughts, you had kind of this dearth of fantasy. And anything that came out was pretty much crap or forgotten or both until Lord of the Rings. So it's kind of a good a good way to kind of like a good representation of that era. Yeah. And how shitty it was. Yeah. I when I was watching this, I was I had this moment of like, wait a second, this came out in 2000. That means this was right around the time that Lord of the Rings came out. And thinking about like the CGI in this movie and then comparing it to Lord of the Rings is so funny to me. It's nuts. Yeah. Like Gollum still looks pretty good by today's standards. Yeah. This movie looks worse than some CD-ROM games I had in the mid nineties. Yeah. Like this is missed level graphics. It like, especially the climactic battle, which we'll get to and we won't spoil per se, but it looks like a, like a 1995 video game. Yeah. The whole time. Oh, boy. And it's the cutscenes in the original Diablo were better than this. Yeah. True. Now, Patrick, why don't you tell us what your initial thoughts were going into the film, going into the film. So I remember watching this as a kid, mm-hmm. but that's, I, I just remember the act of watching it. I didn't remember a single thing about it other than Marlon Wayans and Jeremy Irons. So I look, you know, I do my little very light research. I go online. I see that it has a 10%. I, I, you know, we're texting with Taylor beforehand. He's talking about how, how bad it is. So I'm scared. My initial thoughts are I'm scared to watch this movie, especially seeing that it's nearly two hours long. I always love a tight 90 or less for movies for this podcast. So mm. honestly, going in, I was scared. Was I scared by the end? You'll have to wait and find out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'm kind of in the same boat that you are, Patrick, where I vaguely remember and mainly it's just snails or Marlon Wayans character uh, from like, that's really all I can remember. Yeah. 
And so when, when Taylor brought this up, I was like, all right, cool. Like, I, yeah, I don't know if I'd necessarily would consider this to be like what we would normally say is trash cinema. There's definitely a very time frame, but I do think that it's very important to point out that this is not a faithful recreation, but it is a spin on the very popular sword and sorcery genre that most definitely falls into the tri cinema category more often than not something like death stalker or like you said Kroll, especially those are two that come to mind for me so when this came up i was like you know fuck it like let's jump in sure it's the 2000s we're riding on that cusp like let's get in and holy shit but i will keep those opinions to later <laughs> let's get the show on the road guys Woo! dungeons and dragons everyone Empire of Izmir has long been divided land ruled by the mages, an elite group of magic users. The lowly commoners, those without magic, are little more than slaves. Izmir's young empress, Sabina, wishes equality and prosperity for all, but the evil mage, Profion, has other intentions. Title card, Dungeons and Dragons! Some trivia. Uh, we kind of briefly touched on this, but to expand a little bit, this was director Courtney Solomon's very first film. He acquired the exclusive rights from TSR Tactical Studies Rules in 1990 when he was 19, and it took him 10 years to raise the funds for this film. So, okay. So, I like, and maybe I'm just too young to understand. Like, I, obviously, Dungeons and Dragons now is massively popular. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the crux of the largest Netflix show in history. Uh, Stranger Things, obviously, if you didn't catch that. Um, but like, was there, I mean, obviously during the 80s, you know, the whole satanic panic and everything like that, but it was still well known. People were playing it. Was there just like a point in time during the 90s that were just like, no one likes Dungeons and Dragons anymore. And this shit is so low on the ground that some 19 year old kid could just be like, I'm buying the film rights. <sighs> I don't, I mean, kind of, the 90s were kind of a, a, a kind of a low point for D&D. Um, still, the fact that in 1990, a 19-year-old would, would be able to buy the rights to this massive property is still buck-fucking-wild. Yeah. Um, good on I mean, you. I, I mean, that guy must be an incredible, he must have a very high constitution, or um, charisma score. Yes, yes. Holy shit, yeah. to, pay, to pay the, or his or, parents have, uh, yeah. have fended off some loot to him. And some that yeah. also is possible. Yeah, I, I was also like, I, I mean, I was just a kid in the 90s, but I feel like Dungeons and Dragons didn't become cool, you know, quote, quote, unquote, cool to, to popular culture until like 10 years ago. Like before that, yeah. I feel like it, it fantasy has always maybe not always, but fantasy definitely was cooler before D&D &D was, I feel like as a whole, not to say that. D&D wasn't popular. I just feel like it it didn't have mainstream appeal for a long time, I think. It did have a I mean it did have a presence in the 90s. I remember it being around. Uh mm -hmm. I think Warhammer was bigger in during that era, but um 
I will say my first introduction to D&D was uh, I had this board game called Dragon Strike as a kid, which I still own. It comes with a videotape that is 30 minutes long that is I cannot recommend that you watch this enough. It's like, let's take all the craziest parts about this movie and compress it into 30 minutes. And it was a VHS tape that came with this board game that was basically a hero quest knockoff. Um, Love it. And so that was kind of my introduction to all of it. And yeah, the videotape gives no insight really on how to play the game. It's just kind of a rundown on like, this is kind of how uh, role-playing games work, but it also is acted out by people in Renaissance festival costumes in front of even worse CGI backgrounds because it's from 1993. Yeah. Hell yeah. So the fact that that existed in the 90s, like D&D was still around. I think it was kind of, it was definitely the the valley between the peaks of the 80s and now though. Something I had forgotten about from our childhood was board games sometimes came with VHSs. Yeah. I had a couple of those yeah. different types nightmare. of board games VHSs. Yeah, Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Weird. Well, we see Jeremy Irons as he's standing in a weird-ass magic room, and he does a little zip-zap to a magic device with his little finger lightning bolts. He utters some nonsensical dead language, then glowers over the scepter, screaming, Yes, at long last! Then a dude with blue lips smirks. What the fuck is going on? what is going on is the worst CGI animation I've maybe ever seen. Yeah. What's what's amazing is, well, I guess we'll get to the dragon in a second, but like the, the fact that the CGI blood coming out of the dragon looks even worse than the dragon is amazing. (laughs) How bad is it? How hard is it to CGI blood? Right. Right. Also initial thought with Jeremy Irons, his hair is so normal, which I think is very strange for a fantasy movie. Agreed. There's something going on with his eyebrows. I don't know. I think he, he has like prosthetic eyebrows or they zhuzhed him. But he has extremely normal 2000 man hair, and mm-hmm. which is just very jarring when everyone else does not. He looks like Jeremy Irons mm-hmm. in this movie. Like he, yes. Not to say that you can't look like yourself, but he looks like he just walked on set as mm-hmm. Jeremy Irons. I think that's what happened. I think that's probably what happened. <laughs> well, as you said, oh shit, a dragon jumps out, it blows fire on things, and then Profion who's played by Jeremy Irons, is like, yo, you're my dragon now. He then cackles and then hisses, and I don't really know, but the dragon then betrays him because his wand sucks, so then he has to kill it with a gate. The dragon's blood, as mentioned, due to very poor CGI, and I'm assuming the whole reason all of the crux of this film even happens, this next scene, is because of the CGI. The blood gets in the water, and then it sets the entire river outside of the capital on fire. Pretty cool. That's not cool. Pretty cool. I, something about water on fire to me, I just think is really cool. It it's is cool. Effect. I've, when water's on fire and it doesn't look like the water on fire in this film, yes. <laughs> I, I will say, like, I know drag. there's no set rules for dragons, just like zombies and vampires. There's like all different kind of rules for them because they're fantasy creatures. But I don't think there's any version of dragons where their blood makes water burn. Yeah, there is now. I've never anymore. seen that happen before. It's it's kind of fucking metal, though. Like, it, it is pretty fucking metal. A river yeah, on right. fire is objectively cool. Right. And and if my blood could turn a river into flames, I'd feel pretty fucking badass. Some cool. trivia. Uh, the bones visible in Profion's lair were actually real bones. These scenes were filmed in Sedlik Ossuary, a small chapel in Kutnahora, Czech Republic, and it is decorated with the bones of people who were buried in the surrounding cemetery, but had to be moved to make room for the chapel and for new burials. That is fucking cool. That's metal as shit. And spooky. That place spooky. is on my bucket list. I've That's always awesome. wanted to go there. 
outside, watching as the river turns into flames, is Jimmy Olsen and the less memorable Wayans brother. They're talking about how the world sucks and how they should exploit capitalism for their gains, which essentially means they're thieves. And they're going to be thieves of magic. We cut to inside the throne room, Profreon and Blue Lips. Talk about how the new queen will change everything for the better. But since they're evil, that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Basically, the French Revolution, uh, circa 1789. We cut to a church. The queen is super upset that she isn't in France post-1799. And also can't act her way out of a bag. <laughs> like, I, I thought her purse was oh, so bad at this. God, I, so... <laughs> no, I, I don't know if anyone really puts in a good performance. I think the two best ones are probably Jeremy Irons and Richard O'Brien. I think mm. Richard like, O'Brien it, 100% is actually acting. No he's one awesome. else is. He's fantastic no in this movie. Is. Jeremy Irons is just screaming the whole thing. Yeah, R- Richard O'Brien actually goes for it and he's wonderful yeah. in it. His, his, his like 10 minutes are my favorite part of the movie. But Thora Birch is like in, in a movie full of bad or at least questionable performances. It stands out as truly some of the worst acting I've ever seen. It's as if she is not trying at all. Like it's almost as if she, so I know her from Hocus Pocus, which we didn't mention in the top uh, introduction part, but I, it really sounds like she just is just walking and has like, there's someone holding lines off screen and she's like kind of maybe attempting to read the lines and not perform them in any, any aspect. It feels like she is actively being made to perform against her will like a circus animal. <laughs> okay, here okay, hold on. Hear me out. So I just had this epiphany. So this would have this movie would have come out right after uh the the fucking uh Star Wars episode one, the Phantom Menace. Okay. Oh, sure. Could it be possible that Thora Birch is just trying to do her own version of Natalie Portman from Phantom Menace? I 100% agree with this because I actually want to bring up the fact that the the whole scene with the Council of Mages, which we'll get to, yeah. mm-hmm. really feels like, because it came out the year after after Phantom Menace, yep. that they watch Phantom Menace and like, all right, this movie's popular. What do we want to take away from it and kind of use in our movie? Not uh, Not Darth Maul or someone that looks like him, not lightsaber battles. What about a bunch of people in weird costumes standing in a circular room arguing? And That's like makeup, makeup and costume for her specifically. There are multiple times in this movie yeah. where I'm like, they are trying to recreate Princess Amidala. Absolutely. With her costuming. 100%. Some old dude is telling Thora Birch about the Rod of Savril and how since it controls red dragons, they can still revolutionize the country, America 1776. Unfortunately, Old Blue Lips has a spy imp thing that's doing some some spying or something. You know, it's a a, a spy thing. So Profion hears of the plot and decides he too must have the staff of Savril. A conspiracy is afoot. I have a question for Taylor specifically. I have not played a ton of Dungeons and Dragons, but I know you're a big D&D boy. I enjoy it. Is I, I audibly laughed when they're like, well, we have we can do red dragons. Are these like different colored dragons? Like a, a, a very are. common thing. Okay, that there was are... something out of my wheelhouse. I wasn't totally sure. And I'm gonna sound real cool here for a second. There are two kinds of dragons in Dungeons and Dragons. There are metallic dragons, which are good aligned dragons, and there are chromatic dragons, which are evil aligned dragons. Okay. Uh, red dragons breathe fire. Uh, I think black dragons breathe acid. Uh, white dragons breathe ice. Cool. And so on and so forth. So yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. Okay, I just it, it 
it felt so like simple to me that it would just be a different color dragon. I was like, this has to be from D and D. There's no way that they would just be like randomly. Now there's a red dragon as opposed to a gold dragon. Yeah, I mean it's there. Yeah, I mean because yeah, the red ones typically are evil and they're pretty powerful cool. compared to like some other ones. And then gold dragons and brass and silver and bronze, they're all typically gonna be good guys. Cool. Yeah, I love interesting. That. Interesting. Well, we cut to the old dude and some lady named Marianne as he tries to set a book on fire to break a code. Jimmy Olsen and Sad Wayans, bro. Break into Hogwarts, but since they suck at being thieves, they make a bunch of racket, and Mario busts them. After some sexual tension and sexual banter, the the hapless idiots then witness some crazy-ass shit. Crazy-ass shit being Blue Lips killing the old dude. Just snaps his neck. Mm-hmm. Mariana then steals a scroll, and Tweedledee and Tweedledum are yanked along for the ride. Which, can I say... Mm. This movie does a lot of stupid shit, but yes. I genuinely, this, yes. I genuinely yes. laughed. I got several genuine laughs from this little magic trick of she put this little spell around them and they just have to follow her wherever she goes against their will. And they're like being pulled to follow her and like tripping is I call me a kid. I, it genuinely got me. What, I, what this I love, physical humor really got there, there's like one really good joke in it so at this point in the film she looks like a librarian and uh so she does the, the spell she casts it on them and she's like yeah you guys aren't going anywhere and jimmy olsen's like hey is this the way the only way that you can get dudes to come home with you and i'm like <laughs> what are we watching boys? what the <laughs> fuck are we watching right now because this like there's so many little jokes they throw in that i'm like this is not appropriate for anyone also, well, yeah. now it takes a just, I want to take a brief pause here for a second to ask the question. So old Blue Lips, Damador, Darmador. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did he suck a Smurf's dick? I, there is, the Blue Lips are so not noticeable. They're so noticeable. They've never, they're never explained. They're never justified. They're never commented on. It is never acknowledged that he has to wear like glittery blue Christina Aguilera lipstick the entire movie. Papa Smurf come. He's he's an icon. It's yeah, it is. I I'm shocked that I didn't this didn't like unlock a memory in me where I'm like, that's why everyone had blue lips in the year 2000, Mm. because this should have been icon status and this should have become a trend is all I'm saying. Maybe. I mean, he, he was ahead of his time, you know? Maybe Maybe Damodar will have his moment in 2023. It's coming. Hopefully so. Well, good old Blue Lips chases them down, but is stopped by a random dwarf. The dwarf stalls him for long enough to let the group escape. The next day, the foursome hear that Macabre is wanted by the kingdom. She also ditches her glasses. Unlike some of us, she apparently only wears them for style. I think for the sake of our audience, you need to to clarify that any M name moving forward is the same person. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I can't remember what her name is. Yeah, yeah, I probably should acknowledge. Yes, no one remembers her name. She's the most useless piece of shit on screen at any point in time. It's Marina, oh. but also I don't, I don't think it's Marina, honestly. Speaking of like jarringly modern things in this thing, uh, her glasses at the beginning are just the glasses that every woman I knew in 2000 wore. And it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, that's fair. Did they just let you keep your glasses like this? The customer really dropped the ball here. I mean, they dropped yeah. a lot of balls, but yeah. that's one of them. 
Well, Profion being none too pleased with Blue Lips' incompetence, fills his body with worms and then tells him to go find the group and the scroll that they have stolen. This also was really unsettling for me. This yeah. thing going in the, in Blue Lips' brain. When his head gets all like concave and stuff, I was like, that's Ooh. actually kind of dope. Yeah. yeah. But that it also makes good. him, now he has Blue Lips and pink ears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The rest of the movie. Also, really red. Having just rewatched uh, Escape from New York recently, like mm. this is the exact same thing that they do to Snake Plissken. They put like the bomb in his neck. Yeah, like, it's the same thing, just the fantasy bullshit version of it. Yeah, that's true. Well, the merry band of miscreants are hanging out in a tavern, trying to decipher the myri- mysterious scroll. All of a sudden, Jimmy Olsen Houdini's himself into the scroll, like an episode of Wishbone, eight thirty a.m. weekly on PBS. <laughs> Wayne's brother number three finds an elf girl to hit on and blue lip shows up looking for blood the dwarf however saves him and drags him before he can and i quote say i'd hit it this, this fucking dwarf um what is this yeah, point in this movie literally really, no point there is no point for this half of these so characters so, have no point so I've, much so that i genuinely forgot he was in this movie until I, did they even give him a name uh elwood i think elwood. It is just elwood. not a good name for a dwarf mm-hmm. uh he is also he is the uh you know the two bumbling uh pirates in the pirates of the caribbean movies uh yeah. mckenzie crook the tall skinny guy from the office and the other bald guy that's him Whoa. holy shit Look that's the same guy that. yeah yeah um wow and he he's given a lot more to do in the pirates movies because like i don't know i don't understand the point of this character and the like the pieces of the enormous like the whole pieces of chicken and the entire chicken breast that is in his big fake beard during the the pub scene is one of the most disgusting things I have ever seen. Well, and I've seen a lot of disgusting things. We've addressed before that Patrick really gets off on hearing people eat on screen. No, oh, I, I famously on this episode or this podcast have said, I think all eating should be banned from movies. There is, it never serves a purpose. Well, that's been it, lost on me. It never moves the plot forward. It's just gross and unnecessary. I'm looking at you, Denethor from Lord of the Rings. Um, oh, oh God. Oh, the tomato. Oh, oh it's Jesus. so bad. Uh, oh. uh, some trivia, because there seems to be some very uh, direct Marlon Wayans erasure happening throughout this podcast from Cayman. So I need to come in to say that Marlon Wayans was also in the uh, film that I really didn't like, Requiem for a Dream in the year 2000, while this film was shooting. Uh, his scenes were shot in just a few weeks. How? How do I not How? like it? Or how is how he doing? How can both? you sit here on this episode, Patrick, and say you did not like that movie? Uh, I mean, Jared Leto. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Burstein, what's her name? Ellen, uh, she's Ellen, Ellen Burstein, yeah. She's oh, great. Ellen Burst- oh, yeah. She's and great then, in the movie. She's very good, yeah. Yeah, I think she either won an Oscar, was was nominated for an Oscar. But, like, that. It, here's, here's the thing. And we, I'll make this very brief because we're not talking about Requiem for a Dream. Uh, that movie, I think, only exists to be fucking sad. Yes. And I don't need that. Like, I don't I, I needed it to be more than just sad. I will but say we can talk about that at a different time. I've not read the book, but I've read other books by the same author, Hubert Selby Jr. And they're all profoundly depressing. Um, yeah. Last Exit to Brooklyn is uh, isn't a, a deeply unpleasant thing to read. It did I'm not going to say us, it's a bad book, but oh, my God. It did give us one of my favorite lines in cinema, though, ass to ass, which ass to ass, ass to ass, yeah. that double double edged dildo. <laughs> Outside of the tavern, Jimmy Olsen and Mariana spring back out of the scroll. 
They then exposition dump about how they're looking for the rod that started the Great War. The rod that controls the Red Dragons, and presumably, the Rod of MacGuffin. And I want to point out, in this particular point in the movie, while they're doing this whole like banter back and forth between Snails and Jimmy Olsen, and they're just going back and forth, back and forth, like, are we going to do this or we're not? Are we going to do this or we're not? They use the exact same scene of, of uh, whatever the fuck this girl's name is, Marina. just l- looking at them. Just back and forth. Just back and forth. They use the, uh, it's the exact same thing. They use it at least seven times. Easy. A tactic that was used in uh, what is the 15th ranked on Patrick's list of movies from this podcast, uh, Samurai Cop, Fuck which yeah. we'll, we'll get into uh, later. Fuck yeah. They also do that in, um, there's a fight scene in Batman and Robin where they reuse, they just oh, yeah. re- reverse a shot of Robin. It's very, very strange. He's like coming out of the uh, like water, and he they clearly just reverse the clip, and he goes back into the water. <laughs> Had to happen. With the foursome heading off on their adventure, we see the elf girl that snails the least successful way. How dare you? Was trying to fuck, and she is snooping on them. The next morning, Ridley and snails that that's Jimmy Olsen's that name from the movie. Don't worry about it. No one gives a shit about him. He's like this rip-off Han Solo meets uh, Indiana Jones, a just shitty version of both. Can With I, a butt cut. Can I jump in here? for? Can I briefly jump in here? I feel like you're going to regardless, so just do it. You're right. I'm asking permission simply out of kindness. Sure. I think he's fine in this movie. Yeah. Ridley. Like, he, I, I, whatever, he, no, he does nothing offensive. He's trying to be the next Brendan Fraser in this movie. Brendan Fraser. But, like, he's not bad. Came in. I would agree. I think he's 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 adequate. Yeah, he's totally adequate. It's like, an adequate performance. He plays which... the role of like handsome. Uh, we hopefully maybe can make this a franchise with you as the face of it. Performance. Yeah, it he's got dimples. Yeah, he's a cute boy. Yeah, he's a cute boy. He's a handsome man. I mean, he's much more attractive than I am. The, oh, the next morning, Ridley and Snails accost a three-eyed, purple-headed monster and/or Jeremy Irons penis. And then stalk him through a market. Taylor, can you confirm, uh, having met Jeremy Irons, that you saw his penis? And if so, did it look like this? Uh, I met him at the stage door after a play. So hmm. okay. uh, it did not look like that, no. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, lo and behold, the, uh, the penis monster guy, he knows about their scheme and apprehends them and takes them to Riff Raff. Riff Raff tells them that Hell he knows yeah. they want his treasure. And tells them that they want it. They want them to solve his maze if they want to gain access to it. Arguably, the only sexy thing to come out of anyone's mouth in this movie is from this scene. Yeah, that this scene. I will. All right. When I said there's a couple things I like about this movie, there's one, and it's the scene going through the maze because that scene fucking rocks. It's so good. The the room with the eyes and the fire is yes. really cool. I feel like they blew all of their budget on that entire sequence. I have a lot of issues with calling it a maze, though. Yeah, sure, sure. It's not a maze. It's a it's it's a a maze. Of course, I'm going to fill the the audience. The hidden temple was a maze. I'm going to fill the audience in on this. All right. So Ridley goes into this maze. Now, this is less of a maze and more of a series of hallways, just filled with death traps. Specifically, only three hallways. And then it's, there's a certain point. So unsurprisingly, obviously, Ridley is able to complete the task. Um, also, unsurprisingly, Riff Raff is a bad person. And what? then he turns on them. But here's where I am starting to get like, this is when the movie starts to go off rails for me in terms of its plot. 
is the whole crux is like riffraff tells them hey if you want the eye of the dragon which is the treasure that i have you have to complete my death maze so he does and then riffraff is like jokes on you no one's able ever been able to actually complete the maze and the person who is able to complete the maze has to give me that because I couldn't do it either. And well, so I'm I mean, saying, I'm like, did you literally just build your entire thieves guild hideout on top of a death maze? Yeah, I. Yeah, do it. Whose maze the was it? Guild. Yeah, you're not some thief. You are. Why are you in charge if you can't get through this thing? Great and point. butt cut McGee can. Also, where did this death maze come from? Because it did you just move in and you found it in the basement? Like, oh, this works out great. I think he brought in a, a, some contractors to to build this out for him. So, but well, that's they didn't do a good job if they didn't give him the key to it. That's that's implying that he, they built this maze so that they could like get to this treasure. So he like hid his own treasure. And here's like, the fuck. Thing. Now I can't get Here, it. Here's <sighs> my justification. Okay. Because as as he's going through, as uh, Ridley with a great performance is going through this death maze, uh, and he's on these little like what do you call those the pendulums pendulums Pendulums, uh, that could cut you in half a lot of people are betting on it so i think he's using this as a way to make money because he knows that everyone's gonna die so like he's trying to make bets and things so he's just trying to make money but you but what you're saying though still is that he found this random ass maze this death maze and was like i'm building my hideout on this because i sent a couple dudes and they all died and then he was like fuck it Maybe we're gonna make money off of this. You know, actually, I think that's a solid plan. Right, yeah. he got it's, paid. Yeah. I've heard worse rackets. You know. Yeah, that's fair. Also, that's wasn't this? Um, I, I I'm not super familiar with it because I think it was only broadcast in the UK. But I'm pretty sure that Richard O'Brien hosted a game show like this in the 90s. I think it's called like Maze of Magic or Magic Maze or something like that, the where you had maze? to Crystal Maze. That's it. Yeah, he had to Holy where shit. contestants had to go through a series of obstacles. And so this scene, I think, was supposed to be a reference to that. I Love can't, that. I can't, one hundred percent attest to it because I've never seen the show. But it was brought back in twenty sixteen. Oh, okay. Well, holy shit. Well, a little bit of a, a tussle goes down between Riff Raff and his gang and our merry band of adventurers. But lo and behold, old Blue Lip shows back up, <laughs> and though the group is seemingly going to escape unscathed. He is still able to kidnap Mwomp Womp. Back in the woods, the three remaining doofuses try to come up with a way to save Mariana Trench, but are confronted by Elf Girl. Apparently, she is an officer of the law and the Queen's right-hand woman. All right. So we're I'm, I'm just finished watching this movie, and I text both of you. I'm like, guys, we got to talk about this on air. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with her armor? I, like, yeah, this is like Batman from Batman Forever. Like we have nipples. Yep, we got belly button action. Oh yeah, who yeah. builds armor with both nipples and a belly button? What it's... purpose does that serve? I don't like it. There's got to just... be there's got to be a somewhere online. Let's see additional crew details. I just want to uh, know composer and the no, thing they is don't have they're costumer. not even it's interesting they're like the nipples are like big old big old puffy nipples too it's not like the batman where they actually it's like just it's just giant lumpy areolas like yeah what are you doing also, why would you do this the batman armor is black because it's built for stealth 
Yeah. She's an elf. I I guess her class would be ranger. I assume, which are they're supposed to be a they're supposed to be stealthy. She's in this like bright shiny teddy armor. I feel yeah. like that would defeat the purpose of trying to sneak up on someone because it's gonna catch the light. Maybe if she rolls initiative, she can in theory blind people with her dazzling puffy nipples. There you go. Representation is all I'm saying. A I lot of people agree. have puffy nipples. Maybe I do. I mean, you'll never know. If you are they silver shirtless? Oh, you'll, you'll never know. Minor, minor metallic blue, just like old Damador. Clang. <laughs> well, you know what? It's a little time for a little Barbara mirror, Lane mirror. is who Barbara we have Lane. to blame for, for this. Well, Barbara Lane, Barbara. I know you're listening to this episode, Barbara. I want to, you got to come on the show. You got to explain these nips to me. <laughs> I'm really struggling. In our new segment, explain those nips. Explain <laughs> these nips. Well, we get a little mirror, mirror on the wall action. And Thora Birch wants Elf Girl to take the thieves to find the Rod of MacGuffin. God, I hate this movie. <laughs> How dare you? That God, that wand looks so bad. I hate it. <laughs> It, uh, it, so it is straight up a Fisher Price toy. Like, it is, is like you can still see the, like the like the shitty glue holding it together. Like I look, I watch a lot of people building like props. Like there's a I want to I want to say it's called Punish Props Academy. It's like a YouTube channel of dudes who like these guys that actually make props for movies. And when they're done, like they look so incredible. Mm-hmm. And you're like, where were you 20 years ago when this movie came out? Because yeah. they needed some assistance. Well, we cut to a dungeon, no dragons. Blue Lips confides to Matilda that if he doesn't help Profreon, the worms in his brain will kill him. And then he ear fucks her with his worms. Truly terrifying. But did it raise the stakes? Yes. It also it, it makes me question what is his actual relationship to these brain worms because they're supposed to be a threat to him and will kill him if he if he doesn't succeed in his quest but he's also able to control them so is this a symbiotic relationship what's happening I don't know if he can that's the thing I don't know if he can control them because there's a moment there where he's whispering to her he's like hey I can't control this stuff and i don't want to be doing bad things anymore and i talk like this the whole movie because all i can do is whisper Mm. and i don't know what's happening anymore guys he's also he was the bad guy in passenger uh is it passenger 57 is that Mm -hmm. it yeah Yeah. he's actually had a fairly historic career as like a as like a side character as a bit of a character actor he comes back in five years in the sequel yep with no blue lips which is interesting with no blue uh, lips. Yes, I looked it up. It's set a century afterwards, and his character is undead, which somehow gave him not blue lips. And I feel like the opposite. Unbelievable. What the fuck is happening, Barbara right Lane? Now? I don't think it was your fault, but we really got to get you on fuck, here. Fuck, I'm guys. I'm sorry. I'm losing my absolute fucking mind right now. <laughs> absolutely losing my goddamn mind. I don't understand anything anymore. This is my podcast. I'm supposed to understand things. <laughs> Fuck. The downfall of Cayman. All right. We're watching it we, in real time. We cut today. The elf lady and the comrades scale a castle wall and then cause a distraction by pissing off a horrible CGI'd Gorgon. Wait, that is a Gorgon, right? I think it's a beholder. The purple ball with the eyes. Yeah. yeah. It's well, it's very yeah. bad. It's very bad looking. You know, there's someone out there right now that's like stroking their neck beard and they're like, I'm going to find this dumpster boy. I'm murdering him. him How dare name. he? How dare he? They sneak into the castle. The D&D stands out there. (laughs) Outside of the castle, the dwarf wants to go assist 
Snails and Ridley. But the elf lady makes a cryptic message about how Snails and Ridley must quote-unquote do it alone, whatever the fuck that means. Once again, I don't know what the fuck is that. She means. just says things and everyone has to abide by them and there's no explanation given. None. Like the no. end, and we'll talk about the end. I have, mm, We'll talk about the end. <laughs> <laughs> Snails finds the scroll inside of Blue Lips' bedroom but falls into a rug made of oatmeal and is promptly beaten to hell and back because he's a fucking loser, Patrick. Uh, the, the quicksand rug was cool until I realized it was oatmeal because it is it's very clearly... It is, it is oatmeal. Is, they painted like a paisley pattern on top of. Yep. yep. And the thing is, is when he gets out, because he, obviously he's going to get out of the oatmeal rug, when he gets out of it, you can see the oats from the oatmeal <laughs> falling off of him. Crunchy. What? <laughs> I just can't do that. He oh he God. said in an interview about the movie that that his least favorite part of the movie I th- I think that's what he said is that um was being in the oatmeal because he grew <laughs> up in poverty having to eat oatmeal all the time. It's like I I told myself I'd never eat that stuff again, and then he Aww. had to sit in like six hundred gallons of it. Poor guy. Could you I- imagine? Like I grew up very poor. Um, Patrick grew up less than less than privileged. I would say. Uh, Taylor, I'm not sure what your financial background was like. It's fine. Like, could you imagine ever getting to a point in your life where you were like, I'm so rich now, I don't have to eat certain foods? Be nice. Like That would yeah. be so cool, man. I would 100% stop eating my fiance's vegetarian meal she makes. Wow. Mm. You are just tearing so many people down today. First She's, Marlon Wayans, damn. now Sid. She's. Li- I know she's gonna listen to this, and she's gonna text me right at this moment. She's. This is, she's gonna text I'm me. She's sorry. gonna be like, sorry, "I fucking Sid. hate you." Came You're on your own here. I tried to. I tried to give him a spanking, but. Well, you know what? You can give a spanking to this. Ridley, on the other hand, goes into the dungeon, no dragons, and saves Marzipan. Ridley and Macaroni get into a tussle with some guards, and Snail slices Blue Lips' face and tries to escape. Snails gets caught. And once again, gets his teeth kicked in. Before I share this trivia, I would like to say, I, th- I feel like you're purposely trying to make this sound more confusing than it really is. Dude, no, it really is that confusing, Patrick. I don't know. Uh, some trivia, though. During the fight with the large guard, before the scene with Snails and Damador, Justin Whalen's head split open when he was thrown into the stone wall. That poor boy. Mm. Mm. Well, I have some bad news for the audience. Because at this point, Everyone gets together and they're outside on this weird ass castle patio. Blue Lips has his hands around Snails' throat. And we get a standoff. And Blue Lips demands to get the eye of the dragon before he can throw it over to save his friend's life. Snails throws the scroll back to him and then gets a knife in the back. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, genuinely dead at this point, Patrick. At this point, I'm in my kitchen. I've I have the TV facing me, and and while I'm watching, I'm making some lunch, and I I witness the death of snails played by Marlon Wayans, and I just I have a knife in my hand. I drop it. I couldn't. I I needed to sit down. I I couldn't eat for about an hour after this happened. It's a jarring emotional moment. Yeah, it was really really affecting to me. I forgot the part where he gets thrown off a cliff, dude. That <laughs> was like a thrown off a cliff. Like <laughs> Ragdoll effect, just like yeah. they killed the off fuck out of Marlon Wayans. It's yeah. Overkill. Ridley then attacks Blue Lips in a rage, but stabbed in the chest. 
Unfortunately for our audience, Marzipan uses some magic and saves his pathetic fucking life. We cut back to the throne room. Thora Birch pleads her case to bring about a revolution a la the Russian Revolution of 1917. Jeremy Irons, though, is much too handsome, much too beautiful, and much too suave to allow this to happen. Commence monologue for three minutes. There is This does have one of my favorite lines of the movie, though, which, and mostly because of the way she performs it, but she's like, a lot of mages might be evil, but that doesn't mean all mages are evil. And I'm like, are we trying to solve racism here? Because that's is what it, it racism? seems like. Is it racism? Is it racism mean, or is it class warfare? Oh, uh, sure. Are we trying to solve solve classism here? Is Jeremy Irons Elon Musk? I feel like it's kind of a you got peanut butter in my chocolate, you got chocolate in my peanut butter, mm, you got sure. classism in my racism. Yep, yep, yep. Mm. Good point. Good, great point about. Mm. It's a yeah. Reese's a bigotry. The good guys find a really cool tree inhabited by a guy with green hands. He heals Ridley, and uh, I really fucking hate elves, guys. You just hate elves because he's, he heals the star of the show. Also, the healer is Tom Baker. Whoa. Doctor. That is yep. true. Yeah, that is yeah, he so was the, true. Oh, what is it? The seventh, sixth doctor? Fifth doctor? I should know, but I don't. The one with the, the, one with the scarf, the one everybody knows with the curly hair. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, Tom Baker. He's also the narrator of Little Britain. Huh. That is also true, What, yep. which is also a, a show that I'm like, I would recommend to people, but there's also a lot of really offensive shit in that there's show. There's some things that haven't aged great. Yeah, and so, you know, it's kind of like one of those where, like, hey, look, if, you, if you're if you okay with, if you really enjoy Matt from Great British Bake Off and you don't mind a little bit of blackface, then go watch Little Britain. Oh, no. Yeah. Yep, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, oh, boy. Yeah, I, I haven't watched oh, it. I guess I won't now. Uh, uh, Tom Baker, he then monologues something, blah, 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 dragons, blah, 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 Rada McGuffin, blah, 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 magic is being destroyed, blah, 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 blah. With Ridley healed, him and McChop make out. is way less sexy than you could ever imagine. Which brings me to this point. This is the least sexy movie that we've ever covered on this well, show. Well, yeah, now because the, the, the image that you've created is Ridley kissing McChop. From Pokemon, what is her name, Patrick? Marina. Well, you've said it. This is not her name. Is, is it not Marina? It I thought is. it was no. Marina. It is Marissa. Marissa. It's Marina. It's, it's like Melissa. Melissa. <laughs> Melinda. Belinda. <laughs> we'll never know, I guess, unless you trust me. Librarian. I've just been but calling her librarian. All of that to say, I agree that this is the most unsexy film we've ever watched. You know, this, it, it's so bottom. crazy because we just rolled off the heels of talking about this nipple armor. And you would think that that's sexy. It is not it's sexy not. at all. Turns out. Like, I don't want to be the person who's like, we need more sexy shit in movies. But like this movie drastically needed some more sexy shit. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that's close is them making out after him talking about his friend dying. Yeah. Look, I, look, Which you is, know, I, before anyone in the comments is like, you know what, this guy's a piece of shit. He just wants to see boobs. That's not true. What I wanted to see was Jeremy Irons in a fucking loincloth. I mean, we all want to see that. Style. Yeah, uh, that's I'll what be. I wanted. Yeah. Is this this just scraggly old man in a fucking loincloth swamping around his three eyed purple headed monster? Yeah, just I wanted being, being sinewy and yelling. I wanted yeah. Dar- Jeremy Irons in a dungeon showing his dragon. If you know what I mean. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Some elves make some cryptic remarks about Ridley's potential. And then the group, Sans Snails, finds another dungeon of dragons. 
where the Rod of MacGuffin is being held. However, there's a force field, and only Ridley can get inside. Of course. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Inside of the Dungeon of Dragons, Ridley calls into a hole, which uh, leads him to a mysterious door. He then uses the Eye of the Dragon to open the door, and inside finds a treasure room. He also finds a talking skeleton that's holding the Rod of MacGuffin. After some banter about how the rod is evil, Ridley snatches it out of his bony hands and hightails it out of there. This part really, I wanted the skeleton to sing. I feel yeah, like I if you're going to have a musical number, Yeah, give yeah. him like a song like Shiny from Moana. Let, let the skeleton sing. <laughs> so fucking up. You know, I agree. I agree. You know, we, we, we don't, we lack that nuance of musicals here mm. I, I i'm not i don't know if i'm one to generally advocate for making something a musical if it doesn't need to be but i think with this movie you might as well yeah this one it could have been elevated from like a seven to an eight hat absolutely it's it may be putting a hat on a hat but there's already like eight hats so yeah. what's a ninth hat gonna do exactly that's fair back at the capital the city is being attacked by dragons no dungeons and shit's blowing up everywhere well, okay I that need came out someone, of nowhere. I need someone to explain this to me. <laughs> it is such what a is hard left right turn. So, it was like out of nowhere. We were watching uh, a, a cutscene from a video game from 1995 on PC. Yeah. What but is my... happening in the story? I like, Okay, hold up. Patrick, you made a comment. You said you purposely wrote this script to sound more confusing than the movie actually mm -hmm. is. Then can you please explain to me what this scene Actually, from this point forward, can you explain anything to me? Because I mean, so th they've been wanting to get this rod of MacGuffin to control yeah. the dragons because I guess the dragons are maybe going to try to kill them. And that's all we really need to know. But it goes straight from like, we're arguing <laughs> in uh, clearly a repurposed <laughs> opera house uh, in front of a bunch of wizards to open warfare. And I feel like I don't want to add runtime to this. And I certainly don't want to add more Thora Birch runtime. Yeah. Sure. But I really think that there should have been like one more scene just explaining why are we in a battle now? This no, is, I think, this is I think what happened. I think what happened from a production standpoint, they tried so hard to make the script work that they're like, you know what? By this point, anyone who's still left in the theater who hasn't left just let's just get to the action let's just give them and but they they the, the the trick is or the problem is that they made that decision five days before opening yeah and so that's why the the dragon fights look like they were drawn by hand by a six-year-old yeah i feel like uh like a 12 year old with the tiktok app could make better animated dragons at this point so <clears throat> this is something that happens quite often during the show is that Patrick will be asking me questions like, what is happening in the story? And I'm like, dude, shut up. This is trash cinema. We don't need answers. And then I'm here today being like, I need answers. Yeah. But I feel like it's much, it's, it's much easier with something like Star Crash, where you're like, the less answers I get, the better. Because I like it just elevates how wild this movie is. And I feel like this movie just definitely needs like an extra five minutes. Sure. Um, yeah. Just something. just something to get like how do we get to dragon war because I, I mean just just something and that's the thing is like when i was and this happened on star crash too i feel like it's you taylor you just you hate me and you bring these because i'm like i'm trying really hard to make us like this script seem so like, okay so the real answer i don't know what to tell you if we need if we want a real answer if we want yes. to take our glasses off and, and have a real answer the the dragons that are attacking profion are were summoned by 
Princess Zavina, Thora Birch, with her. Because remember at the beginning of the movie, she has the gold rod and the old dude's like, right. you have the gold rod, but now you need the red rod because there are red dragons. And so she's with her gold dragons is trying to kill Profion because she knows the Profion is going to be a naughty boy and try to kill everybody. It's true. That's, so that's what's happening here. So, so how do I know that? Wikipedia. Just <laughs> God. If you have to go to Wikipedia <laughs> to figure some shit out. We're we're bad. We're I bad did go on. to Wikipedia after rewatching the ending, uh, just to try and understand what I just saw. But again, we'll, no get we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Outside of the dungeon, no dragons. Blue Lips has captured the adventurers. Ridley gives Blue Lips the rod in exchange for his friends, but Blue Lips is a liar, and a fight breaks out. What a naughty boy! What a naughty boy! Blue Lips opens a portal that leads to the capital, and Ridley follows suit. <laughs> the the image or like the the shot of Ridley appearing is straight up like there is no transitional shot. It just it shows the like the little patio here, and then he just pops like as if it just there. The next frame is just him here. There was you know no like this, he didn't uh... come out. You know what this scene reminds me of? Do you remember that old sci-fi show in like the late 90s, Sliders? Sliders. Oh, that, yeah. This is 100% what this reminded me oh, of. Oh, yeah. And it honestly did it way worse than that. Jerry O'Connell. Are we going to get him on the Jerry? podcast? Oh, my God. Jerry. I, boy, he's a, he's a devout listener. He's a fucking Trash Crusader, boys. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Blue Lips gives over the rod. And then Jeremy Irons zaps him with some lightning and apparently the worms in his head maybe be maybe are there maybe they're maybe they're gone now i <laughs> don't know if i can know this is what's happening uh, there's this moment where he's like you promise you'd get rid of them and then jeremy irons does a thing and as the audience member i'm like wait so did you get rid of them or, <laughs> did, you just, or did you did you like emperor palpatine his ass with yeah, some fucking I, lightning bolt i mean unsure. he goes from pink ears to no pink ears sure, so, so i, I guess, guess that's a good thing I guess he did get rid of Fantastic. Him. Ridley shows up right as Thora Birch starts blowing shit up while riding a dragon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And looking very bored while doing Oh my so God, bored. just so just, annoyed with this I whole thing. With her like mithril right. headdress. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want this to turn into a Thora Birch hate fest because I know she's been through some things in her life. Oh but my like, God, yeah, I know. I, I wouldn't give her as hard of a time if I didn't know that she could actually act. If this sure. is the only sure. thing I'd ever seen her, but I just watched her in, uh, in uh, Now and Then recently and like she's a little girl in that. She's fine in it. Like it's a, it's a fine performance. So I know, Ghost, I know she Ghost can do it. World. Ghost, Ghost World, World is she's like very good one of Ghost the World. best movie, like one of the best indie films ever made. Yeah. Incredible. And I don't, yeah, we're moving on. Just what um, happened? Anyway. <laughs> Jeremy Irons has the red rod of MacGuffin now and summons an army of red dragons. Blue Lips and Ridley have a lightning sword fight. Not a lightsaber fight, but a lightning sword fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and Ridley kills Blue Lips and then throws him off the tower. Um, callback, maybe I don't know. Like, at this point, is it a callback? I don't think anyone thought it was a callback, they just included it in the script. I had this moment when, when Blue Lips gets the the demon uh stuff from his brain exercised. Mm. I'm like, you know what? Maybe all of the nasty decisions he's made has been because of this little thing in his brain. Maybe he'll turn to the light side and then immediately is like, fuck this guy, I'm gonna yeah. try to kill you. I'm yeah. like, no, the, you had a, a chance here for redemption and you got thrown off like you should have been. It's insane. With blue lips felt, Ridley attacks Jeremy Irons. 
he's quickly manhandled by irons, which is something many people. And not only does he not only does he uh, attack Jeremy Irons, but he says the line that we've all heard a thousand times in so many different things. Why don't you pick on someone your own size? I was like, no, he did not say that. Can we can we get past that line? It's like the thing where someone is like trying to intimidate a bunch of bad guys, and there's a giant monster behind them, and the bad guys run off, and the guy thinks it's it's because of him, and then yep. he turns out yep. there's a monster. It's like we don't need to do that or that line yeah. ever again. Why don't you it, pick on someone your own? So. I I feel like that there should be some sort of uh, a law put in place where for director and or screenwriter includes the line. He's right behind me, isn't he? They yes. should immediately be executed. Yeah, I agree. There's no world that you're allowed to live in. Anymore. This is the only instance of death penalty that should be allowed in our laws. Yes. Out of nowhere, Mary Jane and the rest of the crew jump out and start whacking away at Jeremy Irons. They are, too, easily dispatched. But lo and behold, Ridley gets a hold of the rod of MacGuffin. And Ridley apparently can wield the rod, but chooses not to and destroys it. And it just disappears just <laughs> i mean it was made it was made of plastic and wishes yeah. plastic it's just plastic there's plastic plastic and horse glue yep. thora burt shows up looking like lady gaga if she was a character from dune she wow. gets a yeah. big ass true dish. actually <laughs> yeah that that apt I love the fact, so I'm writing the script, and apparently the word Yoshi was uh, was autocorrected to Toshiba. Uh, so <laughs> sure. the, the sentence reads as, she gets a big-ass Toshiba-looking dragon. Which I was about sense. to say, what is a Toshiba-looking dragon? Yeah, it dragon? should say Yoshi. She gets a big-ass Yoshi-looking dragon, no dungeons, to eat Jeremy Irons. With Jeremy Irons dead, and Ridley now dressed like if Han Solo went goth, everyone is safe. And free from tyranny. All right, you guys ready for the ending? Oh, yeah. yes. I'm I know the audience ready. is ready for the ending. We've been teeing this bitch up for a while. <clears throat> Ridley gives a heartfelt speech at the grave of snails. A wind begins to stir around them and thunder rumbles off in the distance. The word snails disappears from the gravestone. And the eye of the dragon placed on the grave lights up. The elf lady tells Ridley that his friend awaits him. They all place their hand on the stone, turn into lightning, and zoom off into the sunset. <laughs> so this is the most minor quibble with it because all of it all of it doesn't make sense. Snails is grave. I've seen better graves for a hamster. No, no, okay, yes. hold on. No, this grave honestly looks better than Ivana Trump's grave. And I that's a hell of a I prepped that bit for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> ah, God damn it. Funny. God damn it, Cayman. That's funny. Uh, yeah, this, I honestly, <laughs> the ending of this movie is a big reason as to why I'm so high on this movie after watching it, because <laughs> the implications are so absurd. It's like, okay, so wait, so snails dies and goes to what you can only assume is the underworld, the afterworld, whatever. And so you bring, put this eye of the dragon on his grave and it lights up and then you guys go into the eye of the dragon. So are you guys like willfully dying are you are you now in this like liminal space is like i i need answers and we don't get them because it's the fucking credits i think they're going to go fist fight god so that they can drag marlon wayans back to the world of the living 
And I know for a fact, pretty, I know for a fact cool. the 2005 sequel does, probably does not address this. And oh it's no, a it does not. Damn shame. It's like the only person that comes back is Blue Lips. Yeah, or he's just regular lips. Blue Lips with no blue lips. Yes. Uh, if, if the audience doesn't know though, this is the roll credits moment, like yeah. we said. So roll credits. Yeah, roll credits. Yeah. Some some trivia. So apparently there was another ending that was shot where oh. Empress Savina uh, Thor Birch destroys her rod, the golden rod. And proclaims the heroes champions of the throne. According to director Courtney Solomon, this was such a bad idea he didn't even put it on the DVD as like an alternate scene. But is it? Is it? I don't is think it, it is. Idea? It seems like just a normal ending for a fantasy movie instead of whatever the fuck they went with. He realized that he had done something that no one had ever done before, which is give an ending that has so many questions no one can ever know the answers to. And you know that when he, like, they finished editing this film that he was like, we will never get a sequel. Yeah. And then it is five years later. Direct to DVD. Which I think he still produced. He was still allowed to produce that one. Which is (laughs) what... allowed to. Apparently apparently he didn't want to direct this movie, the first one. He wanted to just produce it and somehow was made to direct it. I don't know who made him do it. Gary yeah, Gygax, wanted, maybe? I don't know. But. He wanted uh, Francis Ford Coppola to direct it. Apparently, Francis Ford Coppola was like, go fuck yourself. Fuck off. <laughs> incredible, oh, wow. incredible. Well, that brings us to what I would normally say, which is the end of the episode. But I got a quick question for you guys. Oh, yeah. If you would hope to oblige me. Oh, I would love to. So, obviously, this entire film is based on the Dungeons and Dragons uh, role playing game that a lot of us enjoy. But I want to know, because I do, in fact, have a bad story, but I want to know from the both of you like, do you have a heinous Dungeons and Dragons story of something that happened in a campaign that you were playing that maybe you regret or maybe just got you kicked off? From ever being able to be able to, per, to to play again with other human beings. Sure. Uh, Taylor, I'll let you jump in first here. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I think it's all gone pretty well for me. I, my first character was, I'm just going to, you know, I guess I think this is a, a normal thing for someone's first character. Like, I'm just going to make a hyper violent thing to funnel my id into, and yep. I'm going to murder everything I encounter. Yep. So I just made this, I made this psychopathic homicidal half work. Uh, and, yeah, so I think it probably got old after a while because I just tried to kill everything. <laughs> sure. Um, also, I decided at one point later on, I made a character that's like, I'm actually going to make a character kind of turn into evil. And I guess maybe I'm a better person than I thought I was because I thought that would be really fun. And it felt really icky after a while. Yeah. This guy was fine because like, I'm going to hit things with a sword. Then I made this like half elf murderer who just like, I would sneak up and like cut people's throats and steal their their money. And like, it started, yeah it starts to feel icky after a little while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess I learned something about myself. I'm not saying I'm a good person, but I think I'm a better person than I thought I was. So sure. I guess that's good. To no, know. I have that sure. same, that same thing with like games like mass effect where you can choose to be evil. I have a really hard time choosing to be evil. Cause like we get to these situations. I'm like, I don't want to be mean to you. I, yeah. I, there's no it's, reason to be. It sounds so fun on paper. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. I feel like it, being evil in something is like pancakes it sounds like a really good idea at first. And then like halfway through, you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I just feel gross. Yeah. I don't have a great story per se because so I am currently in a game, but it's a monster of the week campaign. It's not a Dungeons and Dragons yeah. campaign. So it's, it's set in like a matrix esque type mm-hmm. world. It's, it's not high fantasy. I've only played proper Dungeons and Dragons 
a couple of like singular times and each time like we never had a second session. So I don't I don't have a ton of actual D&D experience. I've I've done a lot more tabletop role playing of like non high fantasy stuff. Um, so I don't have much to report on. There is one story that I could tell, but I feel like it's more you had to be there. So Cayman, I want to kick it to you because I, I think you definitely have a story. The to smirk on your face. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I was banned from my first D and D campaign from ever coming back. Um, I of chose, course you were. <laughs> I chose a dwarf bard who was chaotic evil, mm-hmm. and mm. you can already go ahead and imagine this. Now, my little dwarf, uh, I had a hand axe, and <laughs> I'm not sure why a bard has a hand axe, but I had one. And so we're playing the campaign. We're probably an hour and a half in, maybe two hours in. Everyone's very involved, very serious. They're really feeling it. And then there's me. And so we come up on a group of goblins. And I'm like, we got like three goblins. We we were able to take out one of the three. And then there's me. It's my role now. And so I'm like, okay. So I'm going to use my hand axe to chop off that goblin's dick. And then I'm going to throw the dick in choke the other goblin to death with it. Yeah, you are. And the dungeon master just stops, and he's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And I was like, that's my my role. He's like, alright, you gotta roll 20 luck. I rolled 20 luck. I sliced that goblin's ding-dong off, and then I choked another goblin to death with it. And let me tell you, the group I was playing with was none too pleased by that. What? That is not how you're supposed to play Dungeons & Dragons, apparently. You're not allowed to suffocate an enemy with their another enemy's penis. I mean, I'd allow it. I'm, so, points for creativity. Points for I, creativity. That's what I thought. Look, if I you mean, can roll a 20 luck on some shit like that, like, fuck yeah. So I yeah. did. And uh, when it got over, I was so excited. I had so much fun playing. And then I got a text message like 30 minutes after I left. And it was like, hey, the group has decided we don't want you back. Wow! Yeah, got kicked out of my first D and D group. So um, you're the better for it. You know they didn't I? deserve you. <laughs> yeah, they didn't deserve you. I, am I? I'm running as trash cinema podcast. Am I better for it? We I will probably say, ended up here eventually, though. So yeah, I bought. I mean, I'm I'm DMing for the first time ever right now, and I do. I think rule of cool is kind of what I got. I don't know if choking a goblin with another goblin's dick like they do in the Mexican drug cartels is uh, is necessarily cool, but the creativity, I would be more than happy to allow that for what it's worth. Maybe, I, I, maybe like, I'm, I'm as maybe depraved of a jo- DM as you are a player, but yeah, maybe I should join you, join your campaign. Maybe that's the only way that people allow me to be friends with them. The, Let's get my, weird. The monster of the week campaign that I'm in, we, no one has, has tried to cut another creature's dick off and put it in someone else's throats. But like, if it did, I assure you, everyone would love that choice yeah. because we're there to have fun. We're like, we're not there to fucking be robots. You know, I mean, these people were like, they basically what happened. We were like, they were probably a few weeks into their campaign. So my mm. character got leveled up to be the same level as them. And, and then here comes me rolling in drunk as shit, being sure. like, let's we're gonna fucking take this whole thing down, baby. And uh, uh, then I got kicked out. So that brings us to final thoughts where we ask the question, should we save it or should we can it? As always, I'll start off with you, Patrick. Would you save this film or would you can this film? This is, I think you might both be shocked by this, but this is an easy save for me. 
I actually had a fun time watching this movie. Like, here's the thing. I'm not going to say that this is a good movie, but I also don't think it's a bad movie. I think there are bad parts to this movie. Things like the CGI, things like Thor Burgess acting, but like it's a standard fantasy film that makes some, some odd and maybe some poor choices. But like, I was totally fine watching this Sunday morning, having some breakfast, taking some notes. Uh, so much so that I would like to, it, it came in with your blessing. Sure. I would like to reveal for mm-hmm. our audience today, my official ranking of all the movies that we've watched so far in this podcast to, to, to put exactly where Dungeons and Dragons falls within the rankings. It's going to be really upset by this, Ooh. but please, you have my blessing. I'm going to go, I'm going to start from the bottom and go to the top at number 16, 16, because I wasn't on the Velocipaster episode. So that's unranked 16. I have doll man. Worst movie I've ever watched in my life. You're fucking stupid. 15 samurai cop a close second to the worst movie i've ever watched in my life i mean that's probably fair yeah at 14 leprechaun a close third such worst wrong movie answer. i've ever watched in my it's life it's really bad it's, it's such so a wrong bad, answer man. it's so bad uh there's a a pretty big gap in terms of quality uh to to get to number 13 which is the room right above the room episode i had a great time cried on the episode laughing but at 12 i would put split second an incredible fun time to talk about it, but as like, and something, an editorial note on this, not only am I ranking like what I thought of the movie, I'm also ranking like, would I watch this again? Like I would rather watch number 11, April Fool's Day, than Split Second. It's a good movie. It's a great Above movie. that at number 10, I have The Burning, last week's episode. Above that at number nine, I have Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. <laughs> okay. Way too far down the list. Okay. At number eight, I have Dungeons and Dragons, 2000. All right. Not bad. At number seven, the very first episode of Save Trash Cinema, Troll 2. Above Troll 2, at number six, I have Zombievers. Above Zombievers, I have the fucking wild-ass Evil Tunes. That's a good movie. At number five. At number four, Taylor Roy's Star Crash. Fuck yeah. At number three, controversial, but this is driven by nostalgia. At number three, I have Street Fighter. Objectively awful movie, but I love it. It's fun. At number two, a genuinely great film, My Bloody Valentine. And then at number one, five out of five, best movie we've ever watched and hard to beat, Demonic Toys. <laughs> Maybe Demonic Toys might be, honestly, in like in my top 10 films of all time. Ever. I love that movie so much. Yeah, no, I look, I don't I don't disagree. I do feel like you uh, that all of those films are easily top 10s. Minus Street Fighter. The I don't know, Street Fighter is just too, it's just such a long movie to me. Um, no, for sure. I, it is. I actually rewatching it for this podcast was actually like kind of painful. Yeah, I would rather just watch a 20 minute cut of all of Raul Julia scenes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. That's for the sure. reason to watch that movie. Yeah. But uh, but I, I have a nostalgic place in my heart for it. And maybe I'll sure. maybe I'll wake up one day and drop it down to like 15 where it probably should be. Uh, but for now. But yeah, so all of that to say Dungeons and Dragons in the in this upper half in the second the top half for me. Not bad. I will so. say I'm shocked that you ranked it above the room because I have I have a uh, a borderline obsession with the room. Like so, the room, that's high praise. Here's the thing. Here's the the thing with the room is I rewatched that movie for this podcast alone, and I don't know if you ever watched that movie alone, but that is one that I never will watch alone again. Because yeah, I've watched that movie probably like four times in my life, and each time it's been with a group, and it's very fun as a group. But when you're watching it alone. Yeah, cool. that can be a painful watch alone. Yeah, because like I, I've watched Rocky Horror Picture Show alone, and that's fine. It's still a fun movie. The Room, yeah. you really need at least one. You other really person. need at least one other person. 
to to rewatch that. So that's that true. might go up my list again if I watch it a fifth time with fair a group, enough. But that's fair. So yeah, that's my official ranking as of today. All right. Well, Patrick saved it. Taylor, you're the one that brought us the film. <sighs> I'm very I, curious. I you know Taylor I was gonna say can, but I think save. I, I mean, I, I'm glad that it's no longer the final word on D&D in the movie theaters. Um, I think the new one will be good. I think the new one will be obviously be better. Just watching the trailer, it's like, oh, this is clearly better. It's, yeah, if you stack it, I, I agree with what Patrick said. If you stack it against other fantasy movies, uh, it's, it holds, like, I've seen Deathstalker 1 and 2, and I'd say it's of equal quality to those. And I love both. The, I mean, Deathstalker 2 is one of my favorite terrible movies of all time. I love it dearly. And D- Dungeons and Dragons is not a worse movie than that. Sure. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I would I would say I'm going to say save with an asterisk. OK. okay. Yeah. That's I totally also fair. I feel to add to that briefly and then I want to hear this might be Cayman's first uh, candidate, perhaps. But mm-hmm. I I think. It's 10% on Rotten Tomatoes, I think, is a result of the time it came out mm-hmm. in the year 2000 and not the quality of the film. Because I don't think this is a 10% film. Like, there are movies like, like uh, recently that we've watched, like Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, that has like a 30. That, like, I don't think this movie is 20% better, or I don't think that movie is 20% better than this movie. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know what I mean? Like, that's when, you know, giving a number to a movie starts to become, you know, it's all about opinion, but 10% seems weirdly low for me for this movie. So for me, when I sat down to record, this was a can. Really? Your first ever can. This was going to be my, this was going to be my first ever can, but the more we've sat here, the more we've talked about it. And to, to steal a line from your book, Patrick, now that we've talked about it, I think I've kind of come around. Yeah. Like, I don't think this movie is a movie that you watch more than once. Sure. Um, I don't know that I want to watch this one again. Yeah. Like, like Taylor said, like there's an asterisk on the word save. And when we did street fighter, like I was like, I abstained from street fighter because it's one of those movies where it's like, I think the thing was with street fighter was by the time the movie was over, I was bored. I was like, Mm. all right, I'm just ready for this to be done. Like I've seen this movie several times. Like I'm just ready for it to be over. And maybe, if I've seen this movie several times, I'd feel the exact same way. The movie is without question, a bad movie. Like yeah. there's, there's sure. no way around it. It yeah. is a bad movie, but the more we sit and talk about it, the more I'm like, you know, honestly, like there's a lot of gold here in terms of just how insane or how confusing this movie can be at times. And how many times there's moments where they just talk like, they'll just mention something that happened off screen <laughs> yeah. and you have to accept that this is how the movie is going to go. And it happens multiple times. So I think for me, I will come in the same way with Taylor that it, this is a save with an asterisk uh, for me to explain the asterisk for me. It is like, I don't think you'll find the same enjoyment a second time. And I also think it is very much, you should watch this movie with friends. Yes. Um, yes. And I don't know if you watch it without friends that you will find the same enjoyment out of it. I watched it solo, but I also watched it inebriated. And don't watch that's it sober. Partly why this movie is or the script is so fucking wild. Uh, it's because I did this like shit face. Um, but, you know, I think that's the thing is like 
I don't think that if you were to go see this movie in theaters, you would walk away with any sort of like, yes, I had fun. Uh, But I do think like in home theater now with friends, like this movie could be a ton of fun to have with people with you. Now the issue is, is like, can you find anyone to actually watch it with you? <laughs> sure. And like sure this one, honestly, this one, as you were saying that, because I, I totally agree. If this ever shows at like the plaza, I think this could be a really fun movie to see with a group of people at the plaza. Like I agree. Because it's yeah, yeah like I, I, I did watch this alone and sober, and I somehow still came to the conclusion of saving it. But I, this I think I probably would have had so much more fun if I was with a group watching this. Movie. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, that brings my thoughts to a close. So why don't we go ahead, Taylor? Why don't you tell the audience at home what you've got going on and where they can find you? All right. Hello, I am Taylor Roy. Uh, I can be seen on stage at Dad's Garage Theater uh, from time to time. Um, do a couple couple shows a month. Come see us. Um, I can also be heard on uh, the podcast Echoes in Between, uh, run by my friend Jess Burson. We just finished season one. Season two is apparently uh, in the early works. So uh, hell yeah. And uh, I can be heard. Uh, it's it's a few years old now, but I can be heard uh, doing some little bit parts in the podcast Dark Ages as well, nice. uh, voicing various silly creatures. Hell yeah. So, Check um, it out. So, yeah. Well, guys, if you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and share the hell out of it with your friends, loved ones, the worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here. We aren't beggars. Also, fuck Keith. If you're interested in video games, check out our sister podcast, the Spotlight Games Podcast, on all your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen. Watch this banter about video games there as well. We also are streaming live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so come check us out as, there as well. We put on a raucous show. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Kamen. Patrick, where can they follow you? They can follow me on Twitter at Patrick Schwag. Taylor, where can they follow you? Uh, Instagram at uh, at Taylor J Roy. Hell yeah! And you can also follow our sister podcast at Spy Games Pod on Twitter and Spotlight Games Podcast on Instagram. Once again, if you want to uh, be a guest on the show or you have a movie recommendation, you can hit us up at SaveTrashCinema at Gmail or SaveTrashCinema on all socials. Remember, fight big box office. Save Trash Cinema. <laughs>